Girls Who Product tells the stories of amazing women to inspire others to follow their path in the product area. This project is supported by Zalando. Hi everyone, welcome to the fourth episode of Season 3 of Girls Who Product podcast. My name is Teresa and I will be your host today. Today we are with Francisca Roth, a user research lead at, at Zalando. Uh, Girls the Product is a series of interviews with women that have been able to beat the, the ceiling and become successful makers, entrepreneurs, and agents of change. Our mission is to inspire, connect, and empower more people to get into product roles. Hi, Francisca. Welcome. Uh, Francisca has been working for almost four years at Zalando. Now she does planning, coaching, consulting, and conducting research projects for search and personalization teams. But I will stop here and let you introduce yourself. Hi, Teresa. Thanks for having me. Um, so when it comes to introducing myself, I think there are multiple ways of doing this, right? You can do it from the research perspective, as you've just done. Uh, you can uh, do it a little bit regarding background and education. Um, I'll give you a bit more juicy details as well. So um, I'm German, I was born in Germany, I grew up in Germany, but I had some breaks where I was living abroad in the US, in Ghana and Cambodia. And I would say that I've always been passionate about research. So when I started studying at university, I was immediately completely hooked um, with doing research of whatever kind. So the curiosity there has always been driving me. Um, when it comes to who I am, would say um, I have a PhD, which I wrote about emotion and information processing. That is something I'm still super interested in. Mm -hmm. I love scuba diving. I love art. Um, I love dancing. And yeah, I think I'll leave it there because I think we'll, we'll get to some okay. of those topics yeah. later. Yeah, because you, you mentioned that your academic background uh, began in communication, journalism and cultural anthropology. And you ended up with a PhD in communication and, and media studies. Do you, do you want to tell us a, a more about what made you change these areas and, and join the user research career? How did, how did you get into research? Yes. So, I mean, I started studying uh, those topics because they were quite varied. And I got to see also a lot of different methodologies and schools of thinking. So that was um, what I really enjoyed about, about getting my bachelor's and also getting my master's. And then while I was still studying, I already noticed, okay, I, I so, so the first time I got a data set and I started to analyze it and there was like insights coming out of it and learnings coming out of it. I was like, wow, like this is amazing. I have numbers on the one side and I have knowledge on the other and somehow this is connected and just magic. Um, and so I started working as a student assistant um, already super early at university, um, doing research on computer games, doing research on advertising, doing research also on um, like stereotyping and discrimination. And then um, that also sparked this interest in getting a PhD. So I moved on, I went deeper. And then when you're doing a PhD, you're always joking that uh, you go very, very deep in a very, very small area, right? <laughs> so you become a specialist in something. So that's um, also why I started working on political talk shows and emotional experiences and information processing. Um, and then I realized while still being in academia and publishing those books and articles that actually I would like to see more of my impact. So working in the classical uh, social sciences, you're creating knowledge, you're creating learnings, 
but you are um, not necessarily impacting much outside of the research sphere. And that's why I wanted to essentially go into a different field, go into the, um, the corporate world, so to speak. <laughs> and I got my chance at Zalando. Um, and I've been super happy here ever since because I immediately see the impact of my work. Yeah, you started working at Zalando about four years ago. Uh, what do you think were the biggest changes from Francisca who joined Zalando four years ago to Francisca of today? <laughs> I, I actually love that question. Um, so I must say that I got, like I not just got lucky, I know there is a pattern at Zalando to have really, really good leads and really, really good leadership. And I must say that um, the people I've been working with have developed me massively. So um, a lot of what I'm talking about now is obviously my hard work, but also their hard work. So that's something to always keep in mind. Um, I would say one thing that has changed a bit is uh, coming from this academic background, I was very well aware of hierarchies um, because this is something important in academia, right? When you're a professor or you have a PhD, you are already further ahead from someone who is working on his or her bachelor's. Um, and so I was always a bit worried about that. Oh, can I, can I like talk to a senior vice president? Can I talk to a vice president? How am I supposed to behave in these situations? And one thing Zalando has really taught me is that if you have a good idea or you have a question, it doesn't matter. The hierarchy doesn't matter because the person will care about it. And that is one thing that I think has really changed for me. And then the other thing is, um, and that's related to what I said earlier, I would say I've become more and more reflectant on myself, also due to the fact that I'm encouraged to reflect and that I get time to reflect. Um, and that I get institutionalized feedback um, as part of our company culture. And this, this has really changed, I think, how I look at myself and how I look at my behavior and also um, how I care about my well-being even. And that's, uh, that's really nice to see. Yeah, that's super, super interesting point of view. Um, I will just have a, a quick break that you at home that are listening to us, feel free to, to ask your questions here on, in our chat to Francisca and Francisca will answer you at the end of, of the podcast. So Francisca, uh, you mentioned that you, you have participated in Zalando's Innovation Accelerator as the, the main researcher within the first six months of joining the company. Uh, the innovation project was uh, around leveraging voice uh, for the Zalando platforms and resulted in two products. Do you want to explain a little bit more about it? What is this uh, innovation accelerator and what were these two products? Yes, so uh, the innovation accelerator, um, it, it, it used to be called Slingshot. By now, we actually don't, uh, don't have it anymore because at some point management noticed that, hey, we are actually doing this part of innovation work now as part of our everyday product work. So while at the beginning, this was supposed to inform and help with innovation at some point, it just happened naturally. So um, that I would say was a big change. And how it usually happened was we had a hack week every year. And during that hack week, we were experimenting with new ideas. And then at the end of the hack week, projects were either selected or pitched to go into this innovation accelerator, which allowed us to, over the course of a quarter, invest um, two full weeks, two full sprint weeks um, into this project. 
and we were usually working with diverse teams who often came from different parts of the company. And yes, I was super lucky while I was still in probation. Another person who was also still in probation asked me, hey, do you want to join this? I want to do this. And I was like, yes, 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 please. I'm super interested in that. And we had our two sprints. And um, what was interesting is actually that we focused on voice in the sense of um, Amazon Echo, um, Amazon um, voice devices. What it was used for in the end was not really working with these voice devices because we noticed that without visual cues, shopping fashion is just so hard. Um, and instead it was actually used in a work that one of our teams did uh, with regards to chatbots and how we can essentially use chatbots in combination with voice uh, commands to help people discover fashion. And um, that's also how it went into the product development. And they were then also working uh, with Google together to essentially make this happen. And two chatbots with different purposes came out of it. And one was really more about inspiration and one was also more about um, helping in the shopping decisions. Okay. I get the feeling you started so early and already so experienced, experienced it that somehow it's, it inspires me a lot. But... <laughs> Thank you. Well, it, it didn't, you know, it felt more like uh, the, this curvy way where you kind of find your way through. And I mean, at that point, coming directly from, from university, I kind of knew what product management was. I kind of knew what product development was, but I had never participated in the process as deeply, right? So um, going through those sprints with this very diverse team was a massive learning experience that impacted my entire time at Zalando, I would say. And I actually did it a second time later on in a different project. And I did okay. this kind of innovation thing again. And it was as much fun as the first time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you you are a person who loves to work, has a team, and you privilege your team. And after this experience, you became a senior at Zalando and started recruiting people. In the previous podcast episode with Chiara Quaglia, uh, she's a senior product manager at Zalando, she mentioned that she always, always has in mind a person who has attitude, analytic thinking, and strategical thinking. Would you also privilege this? What, what are the main aspects of the person you are interviewing? Do you have in mind? What, what do you think are the main points in favor of a user research team working well? Mm -hmm. So I think when it comes to hiring, um, one book that has actually massively impacted my thinking around hiring is called Hiring for Attitude. It's by um, Mark Murphy. And I think it's a bit of a classic actually when it comes to hiring. It was recommended to me by, um, by one of the heads um, within the design team. And um, what Mark Murphy actually argues is that you don't, you don't ever hire for a skill set. Skills you can teach, hard skills you can teach. What you hire for is really how the person works, how they think, how they interact with others. And you usually learn this by asking them about their past. So you ask about past situations, um, past projects they have done, um, past moments. And when I interview people, obviously those past projects or past moments are usually around research. And um, what I look out for there is um, obviously creativity, curiosity, um, also the spirit of working together with others, sharing knowledge, um, sharing the research, sharing responsibility. Um, and I think 
for me, hiring interviews are always a bit like user research interviews. So I want to get to know the person. I'm, I'm curious about who they are because I only have these like two pages of paper or sometimes just one page yeah. that summarizes their entire life. And it's not them. It's, it's some part of them, but it's not the essence of them. And when I'm in a hiring interview, I usually want to go out there and be like, okay, I know this person a little bit better. It felt more like a chat and less like an interview. Good. That's, that's really, yeah. Creative. And, and sorry. Yeah. And I mean, you also asked about team and team building and team fit, right? Uh, yeah, but I will switch the, 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 Okay. Question because we have already one question uh, of uh, one listener that uh, did it. Um, what other research and customization projects have you done before or within uh, what other product areas have you worked? Yes, so um, when I started at Zalando, I covered a super broad range of topics. So I worked on sizing, I worked on editorial um, content related research, um, and then I moved into a project that has actually been with me for quite a long time, a bit over a year, that was mainly around customer satisfaction, how to measure it, where to measure it. So not just in surveys, but I also did a bit of, um, yeah, well, product work is a bit of an exaggeration, but I helped um, bringing a tool into the Zalando experience with which we could actually ask people in the experience how they feel about things. And... Um, Doing research with that, I would say, has informed search experience, has informed personalization experience. And recently then I've also started doing more qualitative research in those areas myself. And I would say one thing that was super interesting and that I actually did together also with um, a woman who has been interviewed by this series before, uh, her name is Terhi Henenen. We yeah. worked together on a, on a topic um, called intent so why does a person actually visit Zalando at any given time and how does that impact their needs with regards to the experience? Um, and I would say from that topic, from that project, there were so many interesting insights branching off and impacting search, impacting personalization, um, that I would say that that was probably the, one of the most interesting pieces I've done so far. Good. And once the, the studies are done, how do you present the results uh, to the stakeholders in and out of Zalando, in example, product managers, engineers, product marketeers, um, how do you do it? So um, I would say inside of Zalando, I usually don't present it to them, but with them to others. Okay. So um, usually for us, the product designers, everyone is involved in the research. They interview themselves. Um, they write guides themselves, they analyze themselves. Um, and even when we do surveys, they sometimes don't write the surveys themselves, but um, they usually often do the data analysis together with us. And um, because of that, we usually also create the final share out together, or they even do it on their own. Um, and then we present together or they present the research. And that for me is, is always an amazing experience when I see like a presentation by one PM I worked with and it says the impact of user research in our product. And I'm like, yes, that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> um, and then I would say outside of Zalando, um, it's often more, so it's, there it's less about 
I would say the, the content of the research and more the learnings from the process. So uh, that's a bit of a, of a different take um, I would usually have there. And it depends on the audience how I do that. Um, so presenting to a user research audience, I will focus on different learnings from the process than I would um, presenting to, to a, an audience of um, product managers, for example. Yeah, it makes sense. And you, you are also a sports lover. And at the beginning, you said that you, you practice scuba diving. And a person who does scuba diving has to have great underwater breathing training. And I believe that uh, that control often, often helps you to keep calm in times of high pressure. And do you feel that COVID was one of them? How did you manage your user research team and what methodologies have you adopted that you think you will continue when all this is back to normal? Yeah, I think COVID has been a challenge for all of us, right? I mean, um, saying anything else, I would be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um, when it comes to diving, so you already said it's about breathing. I would say it's in general, it's about letting go. So since you're moving into an element that you are not really made for, you obviously have to do your safety checks. You have a buddy, you, you, you don't go in there unprepared, but once you're in there, you, you have to let go and you have to breathe. Yes. But when a current catches you, you have to go along. You cannot swim against it. You're not, you don't, you're not strong enough for that. That's, that's just the plain fact. And um, I feel it was a little bit like that during COVID as well. So it was sweeping us all along and we had to go with it and we did our safety checks and we looked out for each other, but um, we had to let go. Like to some extent, we just had to go with the flow. And I feel um, in our team, we were quite lucky because we were super well aligned as leadership. We also had amazing communication from the Zalando leadership overall. So there was a lot of transparency. What is going on? How are we tackling this? How are we doing this? What can we do to help each other? And I would say within the team, what we did a lot was we established new rituals. So mm -hmm. the way of check-ins we had, the amount of check-ins we had, um, using specific kind of digital boards to send messages to each other, um, using chat a lot more. And one thing that stuck with me a lot was really um, always assume good intentions because communication moved a bit more in writing than seeing each other and speaking. Just really important to keep that in mind that sometimes things in writing sound different than spoken and you are missing a lot of like other information you have from body language and so on. And so we were always very positive and thinking the best of each other, so to speak um to ensure that that this way of new communication wouldn't impact us as a team and that has worked out quite well and i think that's also something to keep um no matter how how it evolves with covid and the situation we are in okay and regarding communication that is very important important uh, what do you think are the the other main points in favor of a user research team working well I think there are some that are specific for every team, like trust, honesty, feedback, fun. Um, I think living all of those values is super important. One thing that I would say is a bit um, specific for user research is that user research often, the researchers often work alone. Mm -hmm. So there is one user researcher on a research project um, and they will just see it through, right? And they will work with other people along, but it's not going to be user researchers quite often. And I think what we've seen in the team quite a lot is that this makes you not very happy. 
So it's actually nice to also within the team work with the people who have a similar background or who understand your language immediately without you doing, doing any translation work. And so um, I think that is important to use these opportunities where you can in fact work together also as user researchers because it really creates um, a lot of trust and strength in the team. Yeah, I think they are good ideas for people that are listening to us. So take some notes because now we are focusing a little bit more on product management. Um, and do you agree that product managers can and should do uh, user research? Hell yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, I, I would say in any case. So um, not only because they can and not only because it's interesting for them, but also because otherwise research cannot scale. So. Um, Per definition, uh, in a lot of companies, you have less user researchers than you have product managers or designers. Um, and to scale research and to ensure there is enough research, product managers and designers need to do it. So there, there is no question around that. And on top of that, they are often much more involved into the delicacies, the intricate details um, of a product, right? They are more familiar with the strategy, the the whole, um, also how it, how it became what, it, what, it's, what it's getting at, um, where the ideas came from, why it's, some things are done in a specific way. And these things are also super important to a plan research and interpret research. It changes essentially how you would look at a product when you know these things um, and what you would ask to a user. So that is super important. I think it also has impact on how you see the user researcher then. If you know product is involved, design is involved, then user researchers also become a bit of a quality assurance, a backup, um, sometimes a coach, which helps um, in also building a different kind of relationship that is more on eye level. So it's not the user researcher going somewhere, doing their research and then bringing it back, you know, like, like someone going out hunting and then carrying the food back to the cave. It, it, it's not that way, right? So you're, you're going out together um, and you're harvesting those insights and it's actually much more fun because it's much more at an I and team level. Yeah. And talking about a team and leadership, I was actually very curious about the thing we talked about before, uh, and it was contemporary, contemporary art. And in Berlin, we, in Berlin, we must find it wherever we go, but uh, you like contemporary art, not only to appreciate uh, in a museum, but to experiment uh, it by yourself. Have you ever painted a picture? Do you feel that there is some connection between art and the work you do as a leader? Or uh, can we say that leadership is also art? Yeah, I mean, we spoke about this before, right? And I'm also sure that actually Lisbon has a lot of beautiful art as yeah, well. I, so. yes. <laughs> I think it's, it's everywhere, right? I mean, uh, so to, uh, to answer one of your questions uh, very quickly, yes, I have painted pictures. I would say that my style of painting is interesting, <laughs> but it's, so, it's more about the fun, less about the talent. Um, what I enjoy is asking people what they see in the stuff I paint because it's very abstract. I, I don't think, like, not everybody can see it, but you can see it, like, that picture behind me, for example. It's, okay, okay. So it's, uh, it's, it's very abstract, um, and it's always interesting to see how, how people react and what they see in there because it sometimes also tells something about me then, and it's, yeah, it's interesting. Um, 
and um, I mean, what it has in common, and that's something I, I actually learned during my PhD. So I, I had an art scholarship there. Um, and during that art scholarship, which went for a year, um, we were having each month a weekend with another artist from a different field. So performance, painting, um, dancing, architecture, whatever. And we were working with them in their art form. It's, uh, it's called Bronbacher Stipendium. It's, um, it's at the Mannheim University where I did my PhD. And over the course of this year, what happened over and over again is that we entered this weekend and then the artist was, okay, let's just do it. And so you're standing in a room with a massive thing you have to paint or you are in a massive room and you somehow have to dance something very weird like glass or a plant or, and you are like, what the hell? Like, I don't know, like, what am I supposed to do? This is weird. I'm not feeling very comfortable. And I think dealing with these kinds of moments and emotions is something that immensely helps you in any kind of work but especially in research, because you're entering into these moments of discomfort and you don't know what's going to be there. <laughs> you, you will have those moments of what am I actually doing here and where is this leading me and what is actually coming out of that. So ambiguity is something um, we have to deal with a lot um, in every field of work, but I would say in research very extensively. And uh, so there I see a super close connection to, uh, to art. Mm -hmm. And then the other question you asked around is art leadership or is leadership art? Um, I'm not sure. Depends probably on your definition of art. Yeah. What I think is important is that art can help you to grow because of this discomfort, because of these moments of what the hell is going on. Even when you just look at an art piece, a really good art piece is usually producing questions lots of questions about yourself, the world, the society we live in, whatever else. And um, so at least in my definition of a good art piece, right? Yeah. So there are many that would, that is just mine. Um, and I would say that this is also important for leadership. So when you're leading people, you have to question yourself. You have to learn about yourself. Actually, you have to do that first because without knowing yourself, it's really hard to lead others because you won't know how to adapt to what they need without knowing what you need um, and without reflecting this. And that's where, where art comes in and where it can essentially make you a better leader because it forces you to reflect. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I would see the connection actually. Yeah, because like a painting or a work of art, uh, just like that leadership can be designed and painted with different colors and materials. And that's what enriches it. So now I'm curious about your artistic find and uh, tell me when you will have your next exhibition. <laughs> I will go to, to Berlin. Probably not ever. I mean, <laughs> but, but I mean, what you're saying is so true, right? Um, the, this whole, I mean, in a creative process, you have to make decisions. And it will be very hard to say, is this now right or wrong? Because there is no official definition of right yeah. or wrong. But then we all have to be creative all the time. So we have to be able to deal with this moment of insecurity somehow. And um, art can really, really teach you and like nourish this experience and this learning. Um, and it's a lot of fun. 
at the side, right? I'm yeah. dancing glass or I know, I, I don't know. I, I, I dance a lot of weird things over the course of the <laughs> last years, I would say. <laughs> But besides art, I've realized that you, you are not afraid of the unknown and you are not a fearless person because you already did sky jump. Uh, do you want to share uh, how, how was your first uh, jump? Weren't you a little scared? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's actually, yeah, I told you uh, also a little bit about this before because it is a funny story. So I got to go on a sabbatical last year. Uh, Zalando offers that um, for, for people, for his employees, uh, for its employees. And um, it was very spontaneous. It was in the last week, actually, of the sabbatical. And I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my husband. I didn't tell my mother. I just, I, I was like, okay, I'm in Australia. It's the last stop. Um, I'm just going to do this. So I went there and I signed up and I just went and there is actually video coverage. So it's super funny to see because on the ground, I'm like super fun. And like, I'm like, yay. And I'm, I don't know, I show hearts and I'm super relaxed and all is good. And then we enter this plane and you can tell by my face that I'm not as relaxed anymore, but I'm still trying to make fun. And then we're going up and we're going up and we're going up. And then there is a, a scene where I'm sitting um, essentially at the exit door of the plane. And I remember in that moment thinking, oh, what have I done? <laughs> I believe. <laughs> what, what have I done? And you can see it in my face. And then essentially my memory shuts off for a few seconds. So I think my brain was just going in survival mode, being like, whatever you're doing here, I'm not tolerating it. <laughs> and then... I, I obviously, I mean, I, I, I screamed and I cried and I went down there and then it, it obviously is amazing, right? Because you have all this adrenaline in your body yeah. and all these like happy, happy hormones and everything. Um, what I only realized later on is that that is very similar to how I approach big challenges in my life in general. <laughs> so this moment of, ah, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. I'm just going to say yes. And I'm just going to do it and it's going to be okay. And then this moment of what have I done, <laughs> followed by oh wow I did it. Um, so I think how long how long have you been flying? I don't know if you can say it that way, like you jump and how until you get uh, down. Um, so you have a free fall of like 60 seconds, and then um, they open the um, how do you say the parachute? Um, the parachute. Thank you. And then um, after that, it's like four or five more minutes where you are essentially flying on the parachute and you can take little turns and curves and look out. Um, but you know, at that point, it's going to be okay, right? Because the parachute opened and you're safe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I, and I think this, so this, this moment of fear um, is something that is also quite common when it comes to building a career because usually those projects that are the ones that create the most fear are also the ones that will create the biggest opportunities. Um, and so looking back, I would say doing the sky jump this way I did it, the way I did it is a fun metaphor for how I also approached important or big or scary projects in my work life in the past. <laughs> yeah, it's really a great adventure to, to make a, a big jump like that. But um, it must be a huge feeling of adrenaline, as you said, and freedom. Yeah, yeah. So we are almost done, unfortunately. I would like, I would like to ask you two more questions and then let our audience participate as well. Don't, don't forget to, to ask questions in our Q&A. Uh, 
Francisca, do, what do you consider to be the greatest passions in your, in your work? So I think there are those things that are related to my personality and those things related to the results I create, right? Um, and I think when it comes to results, what I'm, what I'm super passionate about is just um, combining methods. So doing qualitative research work as well as quantitative research work, super important for me. Um, and then also to make things measurable. So um, essentially um, you cannot, I mean, many people have said this before me, but essentially you cannot monitor anything that you cannot measure. And especially when it comes to humans, measuring is sometimes not that straightforward. So thinking about these kinds of, um, these kinds of things, how to make something measurable, how to make something visible is something I, I really love doing. And I like to be a bit sciencey or nerdy in my work. So um, looking at a piece of code together with, uh, with my team or um, scripting a survey with a very complicated filter, uh, filter logic or analyzing data um, with the complex statistical thing is something that is super fun for me, as well as diving super deep in qualitative materials. So um, reading lots of scripts, a lot of transcripts. That's just, it's just super fun for me. And then on a more personal level, I would say what I'm passionate about is a curiosity. So always learning more, always exploring, um, always going into new areas, new fields and growing. So um, challenging myself or getting challenged to, I would, I would put it very like philosophical evolve as a human being or grow as a human being. <laughs> so um, look a little bit beyond the obvious, so mm -hmm. to speak. And what, what advice do you have for anyone that, that is starting a career in user research or that want to start from the beginning, just saying? Yeah, so I think uh, user research is a passion that has to do with being curious, uh, with being um, especially curious about human beings because they are at the center of our work. Um, and then there is also a craft side to it. So uh, learning about methodology, um, learning about um, how to interview, how to write a survey, how to analyze data. And I would say when you start out, the first thing, the passion is much more important. So just joining projects when you have the chance um, or doing your own research and just trying out what works and what doesn't work or read books about it. It's, it's actually super easy to start out with some kind of research and then challenge yourself to build the craft over time. Um, I would say that's how, how I would recommend doing it um, because it's, it's a fun way um, to do it because you'll very much get this reward of learning early on. Um, and then you'll over time get this additional reward of growing in the more hard skills. And um, since research is needed pretty much everywhere in every company, in every department for every product, um, and user researchers are usually very happy to cooperate with others on this, um, I would always say, just, just talk to them. Talk to a user researcher, say you're curious, you wanna do research, you wanna start um, where to start, how to help, whether they have a project coming up you can support in. Um, and that's a super good way to, to start. Yeah, just don't be afraid of it. Yeah, exactly. Just, just 
like be on the ground and smile and then you go up in the plane and then you're like oh, yeah <laughs> but then you jump and all is good <laughs> yeah. so we have now opened the time for questions actually we have here one listener lucas dalbo i don't know if you want to uh, lucas join us live i don't know if you are hearing us i will try to to put you on the stage but if you if you don't want to uh just one minute hi lucas lucas hello yes nice cool i wasn't expecting to to, to talk but it's okay so i was just like uh, curious about i don't know the, the team structure and numbers on sizes in zalando but i was really curious about north star metrics or guiding related metrics guiding in zalando in the team so if you could speak a bit about it uh, we need to get a grasp and understanding of how you drive products in a sense Uh, so one part of the question was, I think, how the team is structured and how um, how big it is. And then the other thing I got was um, to speak a bit more about metrics and how we actually um, drive success in the product perspective. Did I hear that correctly or did I miss something? Yeah, being, being straightforward about like North Star metrics, uh, the metrics uh, that guide you. And I mentioned about the team's structure because I don't know like uh, how you are structuring product teams if each and every team has north star metric or a guiding metric but yeah the, the focus is on, on the metrics and the guidance from them all right so um i mean for zalando everything is about um building relationships with customers that's essentially at the core of um, what we do and how we want to work and this is also how our our metrics are structured i would say so they are more about um long-lasting relationships than anything else um the teams um, each team has defined the most important metrics for themselves with the help of our product analytics team. Um, and essentially they are monitoring them on a regular basis. Um, and this can be very different per product, right? So um, something that talks about engagement over a longer time frame might look very different from product to product. And um, so these kind of driver trees also look very different for them. And usually they have some things that tell them are we successful and then they have some things that they monitor whether um, something is going wrong or they are actually impacting another area of the of the business negatively with um, whatever they are doing does that help right. yeah 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 uh, i was uh, expecting it would be like distributed and each and every team has its its ethics uh, goals and therefore its metrics nice Oops. Thank you, thank you, Lucas, for joining us. <laughs> and thank us. you, Lucas. Um, so I, I guess there are no more questions. I would like to to ask one more question. That is, um, do you recommend any books to the people that are listening to us, whether it's uh, user research or leadership? Mm -hmm. So I mean, I mentioned one that is uh, for me super impactful for hiring, right? Um, and then. Um, I think there are, I spoke a little bit about it that I think you have to know yourself or you have to know humans very well to also be a good lead or a good colleague. 
And um, for that, what I always found very impactful are two books. Um, one is Sapiens, The Origin of Humankind. Um, I'm reading yeah. it, actually. How do you like it? Yeah, I'm starting reading it, so but I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's very interesting because it speaks about um, how different... Yeah, kinds of humans, so different kinds of sapiens, so to yeah. speak, um, live together or apart and how they interacted and how that has also changed how we now are as a society. Um, and I found that super insightful to understand a little bit on why we are like essentially acting in a society like we are, um, because it has some reasons also beyond just um, pure culture. Some are also um, based on evolution. So that I really liked and I learned a lot from. And then the other one I really like is Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, mm -hmm. who is um, actually a Nobel Prize winner. Um, and he's also a psychologist. So he didn't win the Nobel Prize in psychology because it doesn't exist, but he won it in economics. But he is a, psychology by a psychologist by trade. And what he's mm -hmm. writing about are essentially um, two mental systems that exist. And one is um, very much work for us to use. And the other one is quick and easy. And um, he writes a little bit how that impacts how we think, how we act, um, and also how we essentially assess information, which I think is super, super helpful to understand other human beings, um, no matter in which trade you're in. And then uh, when it comes to user research, um, I mean, I, I have a more quantitative background, which in user research, I would say is more and more common, but it wasn't as common in the past. It used to be a very qualitative discipline, like doing lots of just interviewing, usability testing and so on, and less dealing with um, larger amounts of numbers. And one book that for me was super eye-opening is Quantifying the User Experience. Um, and it is essentially talking about how you can measure um, even with small samples, meaningful numbers, which, which can be quite helpful. Um, and he, um, the authors are also talking about um, how to set up quantitative studies, how to use statistics, which statistics to use when, which measures for specific aspects already exist. And I think it's, it's just a super interesting new perspective or a different perspective on, on user research. And then one book that has brought me through my bachelor's, master's, and PhD is um, analyzing data and uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I don't remember the full title. Uh, the author is Andy Field. It's a very thick book, um, and he has written it in, for multiple different statistics programs. And he is essentially explaining statistics on an example, and then on an analysis, and then on, a, uh, on the results. And he's just having hilarious examples. I just absolutely adore his way of writing because he um, he makes it not dry at all. Um, and I think, especially for a statistics book, that's very rare. Yeah, thank you. We will post this, this transcription of this podcast in Medium and then I will link all the books for people to, to get to know the, these books. And Francisca, thank you. Thank you very much for being with us today. We were coming to an end of our conversation. It was really nice talking to you. Um, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs>
And for you at home next Thursday, we have another guest and you are invited, of course. Francesca is Sarah Garcia. She is director of UX Research and she has been working for almost 16 years at UE Group. Uh, don't forget that you can ask in advance and just sign up our newsletter to get to know all this, all this news. And in the meantime, the Productized Conference has already started with online workshops already in July. So if, if you are interested, visit our website and learn more about Mission Critical Design, UX for Extreme Environments on July 23rd. And I'm sure you won't want to miss out. So thank you very much, Francisca. Hope you have a good week and thank you all for being with us today. Thank you so much, Teresa. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.